1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And I love what Peter says about us. And you know, this is another reason to, to fight discouragement, to fight weariness, to fight um, anything that's trying to weigh us down and to hold us back. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation. We're a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. I want to focus on that word for a minute. Peculiar. Peculiar is a very interesting word. It means you're different from the usual or the normal. The noun of that word means something exempt from ordinary jurisdiction. You've been, we've been exempt from the ordinary. Think about it. We are in the kingdom of God. We are exempt from the laws of of the world and what I mean by that is the world tells you that in order to get ahead you have to step on people you have to be mean to people or you have to do this or that you have to sacrifice something to get ahead God says if you want to get ahead then what you need to do become the least of these him that will be first shall be last and the last shall be first God says if you want to be great then humble yourself but the world says if you want to be great, you got to magnify yourself. you got to exalt yourself. And that's why we see a lot of, a lot of uh, news in the news, people just doing things to get noticed and to get promoted. And that's not God's way. But we don't operate in the world's order of doing things. We operate in God's way of doing things. Does that make sense? The world has its own way of rewarding those who are its own. It just does. But God says, no, you're my children. You don't operate, operate the way the world does because you're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You're holy. You're set apart. And that ye should... Show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God is a big God. You know, Deuteronomy, have you ever thought about why God chose you? Have you ever thought about why God chose you? We don't deserve it. There's nothing that we can do as far as works-wise to prove our worthiness. Nothing. You know, Paul talks about our faith, um, works of faith, and, you know, you have your works of faith, but if your faith isn't growing, if your work is just to be seen of men and it's routine, it's just works. You know, we can do all of the repenting and all of the sacrificing we want. But if it's not sincere before the Lord, if it's not done with the right heart, it's not works of faith. That's right. 
That's, that's the bottom line. Works of faith is sincere before the Lord saying, okay, Lord, I want to do this. Help me do this. I want to be more like you. Help me to be more like you. And then our works will display our faith. Paul, when, when Saul got saved and turned into Paul, his name was, he was renamed Paul, his works, he didn't, he didn't have works anymore. But when he got saved, his works reflected his faith. Does that make sense? He went about doing the Lord's work, and you could see the faith in Paul. Paul had faith. His faith showed his works in Christ. Does that make sense? But why has God chosen us? Why has God chosen us? In Deuteronomy, I want to show you some things. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 37 and 38. And because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them. Who's our fathers? Well, Jesus Christ is our big brother. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our forefathers in the faith. God chose them. He grafted us in through Jesus Christ. So we can call them our forefathers. Because we've been grafted in. You know, in Romans chapter 11, it talks about how the faith of the Gentiles, God came, God is using the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy, to come to serve him. Now, you take that same thought, God is taking us, to provoke the world into jealousy to serve him. Think about it. How many people have you heard tell you or say to you, I wish I had what you had? I wish I had what you had. And that's because they see God's favor in you. They see God's, they see the unconditional love that Christ has for you and that you're displaying for others. Does that make sense? You're, you're drawing them in. They're, they may not necessarily be jealous. Now, there are people that will get jealous of what God has done for you and will keep doing for you. And prayerfully and hopefully through that jealousy, they'll come to know Jesus Christ. But God has called us for a reason. He has chosen our seed. Our seed. You have children, you have people that you're going to be witnessing to that are going to come to the Lord because you witnessed to them, you led them to the Lord. They are your seed, spiritually. You have, God has made promises to each and every one of us, and here's the thing, even your physical seed, our children, God has a promise. He chose their seed after them and brought the out of his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt. He has our children in their sight, in his sight. He's redeeming them. He's redeeming the people we're praying for. He's bringing them out with a mighty hand 
to drive out nations, here's the thing. You've been called. For one, God loves you. That's why he chose you. He chose you because he loves you. And he chose you because you're the ones that can drive out the sin and the wickedness that's in your, in your, um, in your life. Not, you know, you may have, uh, you may be struggling with some things, but you're asking God to help you get through those things. And because you're asking God to help you get through those things, he's strengthening you to walk out your front door into a world where that's full of wickedness and sin that the people are dying and going straight to hell in a handbasket. So he's giving you the strength. Angel, she's awake. <laughs> he's giving you the strength to drive out the enemy of darkness and sin and wickedness to be that example. Anything to say, hon? Because God wants us. He didn't call us just to sit still. And he gave us a promise. He chose us to give us a promised land. And our promised land is in heaven. While we're here on earth, we have a section that he has promised to make us fruitful and to bless us. But our ultimate promised land is heaven. While we're here on earth, we've got to do some conquering. We have to conquer some territory. I'll never forget when, when uh, my wife and sister Young He went prayer walking in a certain part of town. And I think they were out for maybe a couple of hours, but it was on the other side of the railroad tracks. And when my wife got home, she was just exhausted. And it wasn't from the walking. I could tell it. It wasn't from the walking and the ministering to the individuals that they got to minister to. She sat down. She said, I am just so tired. Her body didn't look physically tired. You can tell when a person looks physically tired. But she sat down. She said, I'm just so tired. I just want to take a nap. I said, well, go ahead and take a nap. I said, she was, I don't understand it. I was, I was energetic. And Sister Young, he and I had an awesome time prayer walking. And I asked her, I said, where did you go? And she told me over there on the other side of the railroad tracks, I said, the area that you were in was probably... Um, uh, you were doing spiritual warfare more than normal over that er over in that area, because there's a lot of a lot of darkness over in that area. And when after her and I got done ta talking, and she took a nap later on that week, I bumped into somebody, and we were just talking, just out of the blue. He said, "Did you know on the other side of the railroad tracks behind you?" is the most impoverished area in Newkirk, and it's also the most drug-infected and this and that. Mm -hmm. I said, that explains why she was so tired. You went into enemy territory and you were claiming it. And the enemy doesn't like it when you go into enemy territory and you claim the, claim the territory. Mm -hmm. The enemy does not like it one bit. And he chose us to bring 
to bring God's kingdom down to earth. That's what he chose us to do. In this little part of Newkirk, he chose us to bring his kingdom, his power, his glory, his healing, his miracles, his signs and wonders to this part of the world. I can, I can tell you of one church that we know of. We went, it's a mega church. We went there when we first went there. Man, there was just a, a few little places popping up two, three miles around the church. That was in 1999, 2000. Didn't really think a whole lot about it at the time. When we first went there, they were seeing this subdivision being built. It only had like 10 houses over to one side, about a mile from the church. And the rest of it, cornfield or some sort of a field. Now you go to this church, businesses have popped up, not even closer than a mile from it, half a mile from it. Resident... Uh, Homes have been built right across the street from it. I mean, it just boomed over years. Why? Because that church was bringing the power of God down to their part of the world. And that church is World Harvest Church in Columbus, Ohio. And they impact that community 24-7. They have made it a goal to win Columbus, Ohio. That's been their new focus over the last couple of years to win Columbus, Ohio. God shifted their goal, their, their focus from other parts of ministry to specifically Columbus. Pastor Parsley has been doing an awesome work over there because the people see that they're chosen. You're chosen to do something specific. You're chosen to take back ground. You're chosen to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We're chosen to be an example. Do you know why God wanted Israel to be his own and he didn't want them to have a king? So that Israel could be an example to all other nations around them. So that all other nations would say, we want what Israel's got. We want what they got. But instead of following God like they should have, they asked for a king. They said, we want to be like all the other nations. That's not why God chose you. He chose you to be you, and he chose you to, to um, bring his kingdom to earth. In Deuteronomy 7, or Deuteronomy 10, 15, only the Lord hath had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. See, there again, we find that God loved our fathers. He delighted in them, and because he loved them and delighted in them, he's honoring his, their seed which is us. He's making us above all nations. Now, that doesn't mean we get proud and haughty and we, we uh, can physically rule the people. 
But that means God has set us as an example. We're supposed to be a light to all other people to help bring them in. That's what God chose us for. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord. We're called a holy people, separated. We're not like the world. You know, Jesus said, the, uh, Paul said you were in the world, but we're not of the world. Jesus was in the world, but he wasn't of the world. He ate with sinners and publicans, but he wasn't like them. He had so much of the glory of God, the love of God coming through him. And he was so strong in his personal convictions and faith that those around him gravitated to him. And the ones he spent time with, they eventually started coming to the Lord. They, they started turning their lives around. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. The shortest person at that time, so the Bible says, he was so short he had to climb a tree. The love that Jesus Christ had from the Father drew the people into the kingdom. That's what we're chosen to do. It is, for thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself. See, we're supposed to be a peculiar people of God's only. We can't, there are people, they want to walk, they want to walk the fence. They want to come to church and say they're holy, but they deny the power thereof. There are people that come into church they get offended and they leave and instead of doing and handling it the way the Bible says, if, you, if, your, brother, if you, your brother has offended you, leave your altar at the gift and go make it right. Instead of going to make it right, they want to run around all over town and tell people everything, whether it's true or not. This is not God's plan for a holy nation. We're supposed to be separate. We're not supposed to be doing those things. We are set apart. A peculiar people unto himself. God's people don't do that. God's children do all that they can do, do all that they know to walk up right before him, to be holy. You know, we've had an example in here about, what, six weeks ago, I would say. It was on a Wednesday night. It's just out of the blue, one of, the, one of the brothers was up here. We, had, we were closing in the altar. And he came up and he called me up and he called another person up. And this gentleman got down on one knee, this brother. And he said, I need to apologize to you too. He said, this is how I got offended. And God's been dealing with me that it's not right. And he looked at the other person that he called up and he said, will you forgive me for being offended at what you, what I got offended over? And let me tell you what, I can tell you right here. I was standing right here. This brother was kneeling right here and the other brother was standing right there. That was an example 
of how to handle offenses. But there are people in the body of Christ. He has chosen us not to... I'm trying to tie this in because I got off track a little bit. That's not godly behavior. That's not being set apart when, when you don't come to your brother and tell him that you've been offended. If you're not praying, God help me to talk to so-and-so because they offended me. If you're just out there running around talking and calling every... Look, we've been in a church. I kid you not. We don't do um, church directories for one reason. We were in a situation, a person got mad at the pastor, went home, got on the phone, pulled their, pulled every church directory out that they had, and they had like three or four of them. They were calling everybody on every directory and telling them how mad they are at the pastor. Instead of going and talking to the pastor, they're running around spreading gossip and running their mouth. That, God's not pleased with that. He's called us to be a holy nation, a peculiar people. We don't do those things. We're not supposed to. Paul says, don't let those things once be numbered, be, be mentioned among you. Don't let them be mentioned among you. What he's saying is, keep your mouth shut, start praying about it, asking God to help you work it out. That's what, that's what he's saying. But we're called, oh my gosh, those things are distractions, church. And see, when those happen, when that happens in the church, it's the, the enemy is using that to be a distraction. And we have to understand that we have to put the distractions away because they're keeping us from what God's called us to do. He's chosen us for a specific purpose. He loves us. He's called us to be a peculiar people, a royal generation. Where'd it go? Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 and 8. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. There again, he's calling us a holy people. We're set apart. We're not supposed to do what the world does. The world runs its mouth. It gets mad at somebody. Yeah, well, I'm going to just tell everybody I know. I'm going to give that person a piece of my mind. The next time I run into them, boy, they're going to know it. Exactly. Everyone else hears it. That's how the world operates. God says you're a holy nation. Verse 6, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Meaning, you're different from everyone else. You're supposed to behave differently. You're supposed to act differently. Yes. And you're supposed to love differently. You're supposed to love unconditionally. Yes. You are supposed to love unconditionally. Amen. And sometimes unconditionally means you have to love people from a distance. Mm -hmm. Until God works things out, you have to love people from a distance. 
because those people will not receive anything you have to say for them or to them. You just have to leave it in God's hands and say, Lord, let your will be done with so-and-so. Because if you were to try and talk to them, you wouldn't get anywhere. It'd be like talking to a brick wall. You just, you know, there's, there's a saying when I was growing up, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. And that's how some people are. And we have to understand, we're called above these things. We're chosen to be different because God's got to work for us. We cannot build God's kingdom if we're, follow, if we're, we're letting all these distractions hinder us. If we're letting what, you know, just, you can't make progress. We're God's chosen people. When we keep our eyes on Him, He enables us to inherit our promised land here on earth and then in heaven. We're here now. We're living here now. We're not in heaven right now. Our bodies are not spiritual bodies right now. Lord, if they were spiritual bodies, this would be a whole lot easier. It would be so much easier. We wouldn't be dealing with the sicknesses. We wouldn't be dealing with the, um, the hunger, the fatigue, the confusion. Because our spirit bodies wouldn't get hungry. Our spirit bodies get wouldn't get don't, fatigued. Don't get tired, don't get injured. Exactly. Our spiritual bodies are higher than our bodies will ever be. Exactly. So we have to understand that we, God has called us and set us apart so that we can do His work. That's why He's chosen us, church. And it goes on to say, The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all. We're the fewest of all. He didn't choose us because we were brighter than everyone else. It says here he chose us because we were the least. We were fewer than everyone else. But he loves us. Doesn't matter what we look like. Doesn't matter what our pedi pedi pedigree is or isn't. He loves us. Yep. And he set his love on us. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers... Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand. He's delivered us from sin, sickness, disease. With a mighty hand, he's shown himself. Has he shown himself to you in a mighty way, Sister Young He? Oh, yeah. you, you can, you, it's, it, you, can you, you remember it vividly just like it was yesterday, right? right? Same with you, right? Anytime God has magnified himself and done something mighty for you, you can remember it vividly like it was yesterday. Yep. Like it just happened an hour ago. He did, was that mighty. That's your testimony. That's your, that's your get over card. That's, that's God saying, yeah, you're mine. You're mine. I did that. Nobody can say you did it on your own. I did that. When, they, when he delivered Egypt, all the nations around knew that it was God. Knew that God delivered them. You know, God's got a plan for each and every one of us. 
John, let's go to Ephesians 1.4. According, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. See, we got to understand something too. We were chosen to be Christ before the foundation of the world. Before God formed the world, he said, I want, excuse me, every lost person to be mine. Now, I'm not, I'm not one that believes that God has, the word predestined is in the Bible. I don't believe it's used the way some want to say it. Well, you can go to heaven. You've been predestined to, but you can't go to heaven. No, Jesus Christ said, any who believe on me and call on me shall be saved. Mm -hmm. So it's not, we have all been predestined before the world was formed. God was saying, I want all of, all of humanity. I Exactly. I know humanity is going to fall. I know what Adam is going to do when I put him in the garden. But between now and then, everything I make is good. Everything I make is good. And I've got a plan B because I know what Adam is going to do. And I've got my second Adam who's going to take over. And through him, all the world has the opportunity to get saved. And I say the opportunity because not everybody's going to get saved. Sad to say. Not every single person on this earth is going to get saved. We want them all to get saved, but they're not. Is it our fault? Maybe, maybe not. Bottom line is, it's their choice. Now, if God says you go witness to so-and-so, and you don't go witness to so-and-so, and so-and-so -so dies... And goes to hell because you didn't go witness to them, then their blood could possibly be on your hands. Either way, God will hold you accountable for not going to witness to that person. We have to always be ready to verbally witness. And we we witness physically with our behavior, the words we speak, our attitude toward others. You know, when, when you're sitting in a public place and you're just talking about the Lord, do you realize that's one aspect of why God chose you? Because you're sitting in a public place. You're talking about the Lord with who you're with. You're doing it in a godly manner. And those that are around you, when they hear you, do you understand it administers grace unto those that hear you? Now, some might get offended, but that's okay. That's conviction. Because they hear the words that you're speaking. They feel the presence of the Lord. And you are doing what God's called you to do. This is why he chose you. Before the foundation of the world. Yes. 
before the foundation of the world. You've been chosen before the foundation of the world in Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verse 16. Ye have not chosen me. Hmm. Think about it. We have not chosen him. But I have chosen you. I have chosen you. I have chosen you, lady. As God says. And ordained you. You know what ordained means? You've been given some holy orders. You've been made a minister. You may not be pastoring. You may not be an evangelist. You may not be um, a missionary. You may not be an apostle or a teacher. But you've been made a minister of the gospel. That means when you're in Walmart, when you're in Aldi's, when you're in the airport, when you're on that airplane, you're an ambassador of Christ. You're a minister of Christ. Mm -hmm. yes. It's not always easy. It's whenever God gives you. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. And boy, ministering would be so much easier if people weren't involved. It'd be a whole lot easier. Because that's it. That's it. Exactly. There'd be no ministry without people. Yeah. And it's not, it's rewarding. It's also challenging. I'll put it that way. But like my wife said, if there were no people, there'd be no ministry. Where there's no need, there's no outreach. There's no ministry. That clothing closet is going to be three rooms when, when it's completely and totally done. Three rooms. A room for women and girls, a room for men and boys, and a, uh-uh. Anyway, three rooms. I'll give you that. I don't know how they're going to set it up, but there will be three rooms. One on one side, one on the right side, one in the middle, and one on the left. A room for women, a room for men, a room for children and infants. Okay. So we're going to have separate rooms. And that's an outreach. That's a ministry. Yeah. You know, in verse it, and ordained you that ye should go forth and bring forth fruit. Ooh. See? If we are truly God's chosen people and we conduct ourselves according to God, okay? Here's the key. John 15, 16 says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Your fruit is to remain. And we have to understand God's looking for godly fruit. He's not looking for the worldly fruit. He's looking for godly fruit. What are you doing to help the kingdom of heaven stay in your part of the world? To stay in your home? What are you doing to, to be fruitful in your realm of, uh, of influence.
and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. See, if our fruit is pleasing the Lord because it's godly fruit, we can ask God to give us whatever we need. It says that whatsoever ye ask, you know, that means your desires, whatsoever you ask. What is your desire? It's not just needs. It's desires also. My Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart if you commit your ways unto him and delight in him. He'll give you the desires of your heart that he may give it to you. God wants us to be fruitful. That's why he's chosen us. Jesus said, I, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I had no plans to get saved. None whatsoever. The experiences I had with Christians, I'm like, if that's what a pastor is, I want nothing to do with it. If that's what a Christian is, they're just doing, they're just doing what this person over here does, and they don't go to church. I mean, there was no difference. I mean, I'm at my first factory job. I'm working next side... Side, right, side by side with another minister not really thinking a whole lot about it he's witnessing, me, witnessing to me about going to church and then he looks down a couple of machines down from where we were working starts talking about the lady operator and just things that I'm like you're a pastor and you're talking that way I knew enough that that shouldn't be coming out of his mouth. I didn't see a difference between him and the high load driver that was talking that way. They didn't go to church. <clears throat> I had no plans to get saved. But God chose me to get saved. And the, the beginning of that process was to get me here with my family. It was a process. I had no desire to get saved. I thought I was better off the way I was. But God wants fruit that remains. And you know what, church? We all make mistakes. We all fall. We will, we will fall sometimes. We're not supposed to fall every single day. Now, you know, all right, I'm going to go here. Here's the thing. Infants. Infants. They don't do much. They just lay there and coo and goo. And they look pretty a lot. And you feed them and you change their diapers and you bathe them. And you nurture them. Well, after time, they're getting on their knees. And they're standing on all fours. And they start crawling. They're getting more mobile. Well, after a certain amount of time, that baby crawls over to the edge of the couch or a chair and discovers, hey, that I, I can, if I put my hand up here, I can pull myself up. And they start pulling themselves up on things. Then eventually, they pull their whole body up and they stand there for a few seconds. 
and then they sit down. It's a process. And eventually you start seeing that, that infant turn into a toddler that's walking around. And you no longer have to feed the toddler. You no longer have to, well, you do bathe the toddler, but you don't have to do a lot of things that you did while they were an infant. And then that toddler becomes a seven, eight-year-old. Now you don't have to feed them at all. You don't have to bathe them. They're capable of doing it. They're growing. They're learning how to do things on their own. Do you know that's how we're supposed to be as Christians? We're supposed to be growing in the Lord. There comes a time when baby Christians need all the help they can get. But when we have been serving the Lord for... If you've been serving the Lord for five years and you're, you're still acting like an infant, there's a problem. We need to find the problem. Is it you or the teachings you've been listening to? Or how you've been reading your Bible? Because God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow. Revelation 17, 14 says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is Lord of hosts and King of kings, and they that are with Him, and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. They are called and they are chosen. And here's the key word, faithful. Faithful. Amen, amen. God has called us, one, to be an example to all others around us. We are His holy people, a peculiar, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy generation. We're not supposed to be like everyone else. When everyone else is running their mouth and trying to destroy the church and destroy the ministry that God is doing, they're not gods. They're operating in the flesh and they're operating in, in, um, by Satan's devices. Their desire is not to build the kingdom of heaven, but their desire is to tear it down for their personal gain, their personal benefit, and their self-satisfaction. But that's not doing what God wants done. Exactly. God wants Exactly. And we have to understand that God chose us. And it's, he didn't say it was going to be easy. He did not say it because, in fact, John 15, 16, let, let's read this one. Go back to John chapter 15, jump down to verse 19. Well, first of all, verse 16 says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go forth, go, and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now that sounds like life's just going to be fun. It's going to be a piece of cake. No problem. Jump down to verse 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world... But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. 
Remember the word that I said unto you. The world's going to hate you. When they persecute you, if they did it to Christ, they're going to do it to you. And you know, I, I grew up with this saying, if they're picking on me, they're leaving somebody else alone. If they're picking on you, yeah, they're leaving somebody else alone. But the thing is, God has allowed and disallowed certain things to happen. And God's like, they can handle it. They're running their mouths about, about my servant. They're saying this and that. They're doing this and that. They're coming against my servant. You know, God's saying they can handle it. I'll give you a perfect example. Politics. Do you know there is an outright attack? Certain politicians from the left are publicly telling their audiences to physically and verbally harass any and everybody that opposes their views or has voted for President Trump. They are telling their people to get in their face and get physical if you have to, to put them in their place. We have to understand that just because we're gods, it's not going to be easy peasy. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be easy. But here's the thing. If we keep our eyes on God, no matter what the world does, if we stay focused on why he chose us, why he chose us, we'll overcome. Revelation said, we will be with him and we are named, we are called And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Only the called, the chosen, and the faithful are going to make it to heaven. You have to have all three. You're not going to be able to make it to heaven on your own. You need Jesus Christ and you need to be faithful. And faithful is saying, okay, Lord, I'm your chosen. Help me to do what you've called me to do.